Hello and welcome once again to the Nasser Alexander Kucheki Studios. A new studio opening up, a temporary studio here for this episode of The Right Hosh. Luke Ned Carney, Rob Jordan, Alex Thompson. Rob and Alex are in their usual studios in the Triangle of North Carolina. I am traveling this week. I'm at the Hotel Motel Holiday Inn here in North Miami. Uh, just enjoying a couple days away from North Carolina, away from work for a little bit, going to look at some alligators, but also talking some soccer because we haven't talked in a little while and we've had some big games and some big news coming up. So first, uh, first Nasser Alexander Kucheki Studios outside the states of Virginia and North Carolina. So that's a significant thing for this show and just w- welcome, welcome. It's a, it's a, it's been awesome here it's not too not too hot 70 75 degrees every day the rain cools things off during the day we get some showers and it's it's like the opposite of england it's like the weather changes every five five seconds whereas in england it's just it's just rainy all the time right rob absolutely the uh there's a lot more food choices in miami as well oh man and i i I still just went and had a hamburger and fries today because that's that's what i wanted for lunch i'm such i'm a horrible traveler man i really am (laughs) do you like a cuban sandwich i do like a good cuban sandwich oh man that's i'll probably be tomorrow before i before i head to the airport i was gonna ask if you had one down there yeah not 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 yet this trip but i that it is on it is always on the agenda when i come down to this city has to be Uh, yeah yeah, i just say i saw Messi walking down the street today no just kidding but if only <laughs> you never know there's probably not a lot of people in the states who actually really know who he is you know at a quick glance right. so yeah um, uh, other than him getting like stalked at going to Publix or whatever it was when he first got here i hope that's died <laughs> down for him a little bit yeah well he's he's battling some injuries there all nasser had a uh, yeah. six nothing exhibit or excuse me friendly victory over uh over inter miami uh earlier <laughs> this week or last week Shit. Shout out Imeric Laporte who hit a like a, a three quarter field uh, goal in that one for the th- I want to say it was the third goal. So former city guy, uh, he never had that range for us, but he also never played against Inter Miami while he was at City. So uh, it it was a not a great match, but um, I still watched it. Well, we've got some uh, we've got some results to recap here in the EPL. Uh, the Liverpool is still up at the top, despite despite what happened this weekend. Uh, Man City, however, might have something to say about that. And Rob will have a bombshell to drop. Uh, talk about the Nasser Alexander Kucheki Studios. We're going to have a bombshell exploding here uh, in the potpourri section of the right hosh. But we will start as we normally do with Rob and a much more wholesome uh, uh, subject. His hometown, Portsmouth FC. Uh, just a quick a quick update with of course uh the music and uh just just that's that's just how we get going here uh, on this show wholesome for now uh because pompey are still in full position at the top of league one uh with 63 points uh since we last had our um previous episode with luke um, we did get three wins and one draw against uh, Oxford United, who uh, they're one of the other top teams uh, in the league. So uh, great showing uh, by Portsmouth, um, just because kind of similar to Arsenal towards the end of December, leading up to the holidays, we had a real slump 
in play where uh, we had lost a few pretty decisive matches that would have, um, you know, really given us a nice cushion in the top of the league. But uh, thankfully, um, sitting up top, uh, the only real threat to us right now, uh, Bolton, for some reason, uh, are have three games in hand. I guess they uh, kept having their matches canceled. Um, but they technically, if they win those three, um, they could move ahead uh, by a couple points for us. But uh, thankfully, they drew uh, this weekend. So that certainly helps us. And uh, the Poppy Sailors uh, looking, looking large, living life large, and uh, looking to win this league. And uh, it, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the uh, the the rivals, the the scummers of Southampton, uh, play tomorrow against Watford in the FA Cup in the fourth round replays. Um, so I don't know if let's, I ruined your. Let's go Watford. Saying that, yeah, big. We're all big Watford fans uh, tomorrow. But I, I mean, the, God, the scummers are on a hot streak, man. They uh, they have won uh, they have won four in a row coming off, and then a tie with Nor- Norwich City was a uh, on January first. So. It's a it's a, it's a it's a rough time for haters of that of that club like us. But um, <clears throat> earlier today, uh, Manchester United was in action, or it's not Manchester United, Manchester oh, City. Come on, just, God, I did not do that on purpose. I, I have not, I've not had that many margaritas. I I promise. But um, I'm driving to Mar- I'm driving to Miami. God, yeah, those are those are fighting words. Luke. Have have fun. I was gonna say have fun. Ninety five is a parking lot right now out here. <laughs> It's okay. It's more time for the rage to be uh, build up. Um, but yes, uh, the citizens of Manchester City uh, did play today against Brentford. Uh, it was it was a rocky first half, but um, this is the first time that Kevin De Bruyne and Erling Holland have been on the pitch at the same time for a Premier League game this year. So I I expected there to be a little bit of rust just as we um, work both of them kind of back in. Kevin De Bruyne has been working back in a little bit uh this was holland's second appearance but uh his his first one you know post rehab stint was about 10 minutes or so just to let the hair flow um city really struggled in in the first half not not with getting good opportunities but finishing opportunities uh flecking for brentford once again just played out of his mind he's gonna wind up on a better premier league team or uh higher uh, level team here in in the next year or two. I don't know what his contract situation is, but that dude's a freak. Um, City with a just a, a defensive lapse in the in the first half. Go down one nil. Uh, six to- six games in a row. City have uh, given up the the first goal in Premier League play, um, and I've only lost one of those. Thankfully, uh, Phil Foden notching his second career hat trick today. Um, I, he he played in the space that Holland creates so phenomenally today that uh, I I hope that we keep him in that role and don't try to force him onto the wings. You know, as we get healthier, there is going to be a little bit more uh, shuffling than we have had in recent weeks. Um, As we get Grealish back, as we work Daku back in, obviously Holland and uh, De Bruyne coming back in. I really loved what Foden has has settled into there in the midfield. Been a great distributor. Just been a great ball mover, even if he hasn't scored. Um, he had five goals on the season coming into today. Um, so he, he hasn't been, you know, pouring them in, but they've been timely goals. They've been big goals for us. Uh, and just his movement um, 
right outside the box and, uh, you know, transitioning from midfield into the uh, final third has been phenomenal. And with the absence of De Bruyne for the entire season and Holland for half the season, City still sit atop the the goal scoring in the Premier League somehow. I I had to recheck it today because I couldn't believe it. Um, But Julian Alvarez has been huge this year. Uh, Saw some good play out of him today as well. Um, We really need to get John Stones back, I would say, for the long run. But I've been really pleased. Uh, Man City winners of uh, five straight in the Premier League. Uh, Sitting with a game in hand, thank you to the uh, result of the Arsenal-Liverpool match, which you guys will discuss later. Um, It brought Liverpool back down to where, with our games in hand, uh, we are sitting back in first in the Premier League, should we win that now one game in hand. Um, so it uh, feels kind of like last year where we just had a really bumpy, inconsistent um, start. But this year, at least our our attack has, has figured itself out. I can't believe I'm worrying about the defense, um, but it's p- partially just the, the strategy that Pep has. I mean, we everybody is across the halfway line when we have uh, full possession. So you're bound to get beat by the Ivan Tonys of this league. Um, you know, if, if they can stay on side, just get that step. Ruben Diaz can't chase anybody down in this league. That's a striker. That's not why he's playing there, but it's one of those uh, concessions that Pep has made in the absence of John Stones is just, if it hits us, it hits us. Hope Ederson makes a good save or hope someone's offsides. Um, it, it's it's worked well enough to this point as we get Stones back. Uh, and a Kanji back. Uh, hopefully we'll have a little bit more speed to put back there, but I- I'm thrilled with how things have been going. Uh, everything's looking up. Hopefully we can keep players healthy. We're not very deep. Um, and I guess really just to finish off the city portion, um, we play six games in the next three weeks, finally back to that time of year, but uh, we do have champions league uh, coming up um, next Tuesday against Copenhagen. Um Excited for that one. This is the best team that we've played in the Champions League so far, which is usually what happens coming at a group stage. Uh, Copenhagen, not a pushover, but definitely somebody we should beat. Um, excited for that one. Our next uh, Premier League matchup is against Everton this weekend. Um, Everton having a much better season than I thought, I think really anybody thought. Um, but still still a team that City in this configuration with Holland and De Bruyne should beat. Um, I'm just looking for the defense to look more improved, more on the same page, a little bit more aware. Uh, but it, you know, it's again, kind of the risk you take when you have a slower center back, like Diaz, you push Kyle Walker up the pitch. Gavardi always pushed way up the pitch. Ake plays way up the pitch. So, you know, it's, it's almost just a concession that Pep is making at this point, just saying, if you're going to beat us, that's how it's going to be. We're going to control this ball for 75 minutes, holding this knife at your throat until we break the skin. And uh, thankfully we broke the skin more than we got our skin broken today. Uh, Brentford, a quality squad, but uh, certainly in that relegation range, uh, interested to see how they uh, progress the rest of the season. Um, And, I'm I'm looking forward to this push that all three of our teams are going to be part of here uh, as we move into the second half of the season. Yeah, I mean, last year we were on the outside looking in, us being you know being Liverpool and you know, finishing outside the top five, top top four. And I was saying before the show, you know, my my goal here for for us is it's it's top four. I mean, we're we're at the top of the table now. That could change, but stay in that top four. Uh, but you know, Liverpool 
for, for their part, has been just kind of traversing the competitions in, in recent games. They've had FA Cup, Caribou Cup. <laughs> I call it Caribou Cup. Um, the 2-1 win over Fulham. And then the aggregate 3-2 uh, to two win in the second leg uh, with a 1-1 tie at Fulham's home ground. Beat uh, Norwich City in the FA Cup. Beat Chelsea 4-1 to one in, uh, in regular EPL play. And then, of course, it, it all came crashing down yesterday afternoon as I sat in Mikasuki Indian Casino and uh sip some some Pepsi and watched the uh the Reds just really just kind of a listless effort on the attack and a lot of defensive lapses that uh you know you know just really did us in kind of kind of from the beginning and you know Arsenal played really good football but uh Virgil van Dyke made interesting comments today about you know he just he just uh kind of got on the mic and was like that that was a largely my my loss you know my, my responsibility uh the turning point he called it the second goal that Arsenal scored where he and Allison Becker just kind of miscommunicated, almost ran into each other. And Gabriel Martinelli was right there to, to put it in the net. Uh, Van Dyke, the quote was, then came the turning point. It's my responsibility. I should just clear it. Unfortunately, these things sometimes happen in football. Um, and, and, you know, that I, I like seeing that, hearing that from my, from my team's captain, especially because a lot of people in the moment were going in on Allison Becker, who's, uh, you know, a world-class goalkeeper. Um, I, I saw a tweet that said, like, Allison just glitched. And he, he kind of did, but it, good on Virgil for stepping up and taking the responsibility and, um, you know, just and be doing what a captain is supposed to do across any sport. Um, but in terms of health for the Reds, things got a little bit worse before that Arsenal game as Dominic Slobishly was rolled, ruled out uh, the day before the game and didn't even make the trip. Um, and that's just another strong, solid contributor that the the Reds are going to have to to deal with the absence of for um, in, in, I'm not sure exactly sure how long, but you know they're gonna they're gonna take it a little bit slowly, and that's of course with also with Mo Salah uh, still nursing the injury that he suffered during African Cup of Nations, which he would have been gone anyway playing for Egypt. But now you add that to the uh, to the mix, and it's just it's just been a little bit of a weird stretch for Liverpool in the wake of the uh, the news about um, <clears throat> about Jurgen Klopp leaving at the end of the season. Um, we'll, we'll, I'll touch a little bit more on, you know, how, how, uh, how I want, I want things to set up for the new manager, uh, a little bit later in the show, but you know, the, 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 it's, it's concerning for Liverpool with the amount of injuries we've had. Um, he, he, he said not in the game. He was fine. Said Jurgen Klopp about Sobeschlei. Then after the game, he felt it slightly. So he had a look at it and there was now no chance for him to be involved in, in the Arsenal game. Um, and that, that was the last update that was given. Uh, I, I kind of am of the opinion that if there was good news to share, that it would have been shared already. So already have to make up for the the, the absence of Mo Salah. And now you've got to make up for the absence of a guy who had really been contributing on the attack, you know, since the, the calendar flipped to 2024. Yeah, uh, I definitely got to say that was a big blow for you guys because Shobashlai, he is such a, um, you know, change of place player. Uh, you know, he really controls that midfield, uh, not just in terms of possession, but uh, he can really, really uh, impact that game uh, just from kind of like a field general perspective. Um, he's not afraid to shoot, uh, take his own chances, but uh, he certainly uh, kind of similar role to what uh, Salah was doing before he went down with the injury. Uh, you know, he can certainly be that facilitator uh, of the attack. So, um, yeah, I mean, definitely, uh, as you mentioned, Luke, um, very chippy match between Liverpool 
Um, Arsenal had a total of six yellow cards, <laughs> um, if that says anything. Um, you know, Liverpool had the four, uh, two of them going to Kanate, who um, that turned to a red card in the 88th minute, which, uh, you know, kind of sealed the deal there um, for the Reds. But, uh, you know, in a tough environment like the Emirates, um, especially, uh, you know, after, you know, our previous matches um, before or right around the holidays, uh, this was a must win match for Arsenal. Um, I know we had talked offline about, you um, know, I I'd said specifically that if Arsenal does not win this match at home versus Liverpool, our season's done. Um, you know, we, we'd sure give it a fighting effort, but. Um, you know, when you're going head to head against one of the other title challengers, you have to you have to collect those points there. So, um, you know, very very happy with the performance there um, against Liverpool. Um, you know, Bukayo Saka getting on the score sheet very early on. Uh, nice, uh, just classic, classic Saka. Um, beautiful setup by Odegaard from the midfield. Um, caught Kai Havertz in full stride. Havertz fancied himself, ripped a shot at the net, and lo and behold, the ricochet right there, Bukayo Saka in the box, and that's it. Uh, and that's more of you know what I've really been harping on Arsenal for us to do. Uh, we do get the reputation that you know we're gonna walk it in and we take one too many two touches and passes in the box. Sometimes you just gonna go for it, rip it, and you know confidently your teammate's gonna be right there uh, to pick up uh, the rebound. So. Um, definitely a great team effort there um, for that first goal. And then Magical Martinelli, um, 67th minute, um, you know, again, kind of to your point, Luke, um, I'd say that was more, you know, uh, you know, Martinelli credit to him for staying on the ball, uh, you know, playing until the whistle's blown. Um, but, you know, Virgil and Allison having that miscommunication, which uh, was a very costly one there. Uh, but just being, you know, the constant threat, ball hawk, poacher uh, that Martinelli is, um, he's that thorn in your side, that nuisance that uh, no team wants to play against. And uh, he certainly let that game play come out there. And then my main man, Leo Trossard, in the 92nd minute, uh, just an absolutely great individual effort. Um, he got the ball right around midfield. Um, he's got two defenders on him. Um, he dribbles around them uh, with a beautiful behind-the-back um, cut. And then it's just a foot race. You can see him doing the mental calculations. The closer he gets to the goal, where's my support? Where's my support? Oh, wait, there's no support. All right, I'm just going to go for it. And, I mean, I knew he was good at the near post shot, but nutmegging one of the best goalkeepers in the world, um, that's a nice cherry on top and uh, great morale uh, for the Gunners uh, going out. Uh, like that at the Emirates. So um, very happy with that fixture. Um, you know, just to go back real quick, uh, you know, no, it, no, around no. the holiday, or sorry, go no, ahead. just before, before I just want to, I, I think the, uh, the consensus, I think this is even there among Liverpool fans is that Arsenal, Arsenal won this game. I know I've been talking about how bad Liverpool played, but Arsenal still went out and won this game. Like Liverpool didn't lose it. Am I correct in saying that? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, the and I'm glad actually you brought up that point um, because the, I mean the first half absolutely dominated and the goal that we gave up was absolutely pathetic. 
Uh, there's no excuse for it. So uh, I think we kind of trade oopsies uh, where, you know, uh, for you guys, the second goal that was conceded uh, between Virgil and Allison, uh, you know, for us, the one goal uh, we had between Raya and uh, Gabrielle um, in defense, um, that was, uh, I mean, that should not have happened at all. Like it was some like Bush league <laughs> bullshit uh, to be honest, but um, no, I mean, we, we came out, uh, you know, punch him in the mouth and we were, we were ready to go from the beginning whistle. So it's certainly going into halftime, um, you know, the dressing room was certainly tense. I know Arteta said that in his press conference um, post-match um, that, you know, conceding that goal literally right at on the stroke of halftime after we'd fully dominated the first half going in 1-1. Um, it, it lit that fire. And I, I think that um, our team showed the championship mindset. Uh, you know, again, it was a scrappy game. As I mentioned before, six yellow cards on Arsenal sides. Um, and, you know, we're down a few players as well. But uh, just really showing that tenacity um, that like, hey, we're here to stay. We're here to compete um, for that Premier League title. And um, yeah, I, I fully agreed that Arsenal certainly won this match and uh now between the fa cup and premier league competition i think that puts us uh both at one win and we had one draw um against you guys uh at when we went to anfield so um looking pretty even uh so lo looking forward to what the title race uh has in store for us yeah i mean last year I wasn't really a part of this. I kind of was resigned to the fact that we weren't going to finish top four. So I'm just, I'm really looking forward as, you know, as the basketball season slows down and we get into a little bit of a lull in, in sports in the spring for this, this to just pick up because, you know, it, it's, it's just awesome to be able to, you know, I got on a plane Sunday morning, got down here and was still in time to watch the game, you know, the game, this game. And it's just soccer is such a viewer friendly sport here in America for people of our demographic who, you know, usually get up earlier in the morning and have to go to work and like, but on the weekends you're like, all right, I'm awake at eight and there's soccer on. I can just roll out and roll out of bed and, and put it on. And uh, just, it, it, it is, it is, it is going to, I'm just looking forward to, to be actually Liverpool being in the mix this year, uh, despite this effort in, in on Sunday, which like everybody has bad games, right? It just, I just wish it didn't come against uh, a team that, one, I have a podcast with a fan of, and two, you know, in, in one of those top of the table clashes, you know, we, we, we've had games where we haven't played as well and, and come out and won, but you can't play your B game, really even a B plus game and not saying even saying Liverpool did that in Emirates Stadium and expect to come out with any kind of points. Yeah, I mean, uh, like you said, like it, it's tough no matter what. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, you've got one on us. We've got one on you. And like that's that's just what it is, uh, especially when you're at the top of the league. Um, you know, you're, you're going to have those, you know, Clash of Titans moments. And, you know, uh, ultimately the team at the end of the season that comes down to it, um, they're the ones that generally rise to the occasion more often than not. So, uh, you know, still still a lot of footy to be played this season. Uh, and I'm very happy with what I've seen from Arsenal. Um, I'll just very quickly recap the two other fixtures we had. Because um, right around the holidays, uh, you know, going into mid-January, Arsenal's form really had dipped and it was not good. And, you know, a lot of the fan base, including myself, was frustrated. You know, questions were being asked of Arteta, of certain players, of the management. 
um, just with all the talent we had, you know, we weren't necessarily putting the pieces of the puzzle together. Um, and, you know, they, they had that two weeks uh, break. Um, the team went out to Dubai. Uh, so I'm glad. I don't know what they did in Dubai, but uh, it certainly worked. Um, and the guys came back really motivated. Uh, and the response we had against Crystal Palace, a f dominant 5-0 victory, is exactly what we needed to set the tone uh, coming back into Premier League play uh, post the uh, international break there. And uh, just really great to see, um, you know, Gabriel um, getting on the score sheet twice in that match. Again, main man Leo Trossard also netting in the 59th minute. And Martinelli, um, you know, getting two goals within two minutes right at the end, uh, just showing uh, in the 94th and 95th minute and just showing that, hey, we're not going to let our foot off the gas. And I think that's, uh, I'd say, a critique, a fair critique of Arsenal where, you know, last year we didn't necessarily, you know, put our foot down on the neck and like go that extra mile just to make sure that we were clearly ahead where, you know, really starting to see that finishing uh, touch here uh, from just all around the team. And uh, great to see certain guys being healthy, moving on to the Nottingham Forest game with Emil Smith-Rowe getting the start in midfield. Great to see him back in our squad um, and going to uh, the Nottingham Forest ground and getting a 2-1 victory. Um, you know, that was our bogeyman game. Uh, if you flash back uh, to last season, uh, Nottingham Forest, our loss there was what cost us the league and, you know, flipped it in Man City's favor uh, towards the end of the season. So a big moral victory for the guys getting that and then going into the Liverpool match, which, you know, I, I would say Arsenal thoroughly dominated. Liverpool played decent, but um, just it it's a lot of great momentum for the Gunners. And we're going to have a tough uh, uh, run here coming up with uh, West Ham uh, away uh, on February 11th. Then we get Burnley at home. Uh, and start uh, Champions League play against Porto um, towards the end of the month, as well as uh, Newcastle. So um, stretch, uh, strong stretch of games. Um, I think the Gunners are ready, but uh, really glad to see, you know, that revitalized motivation back in the squad. And, uh, you know, it, it really is a three-legged title race, and I'd uh, love to see it. Now, Liverpool... Oh, sorry. I just want to read Liverpool's games right. coming up include Burnley, Brentford, and Luton Town. So those are those are three games we really need to win. Two of them are at home uh, before the Carib Caribou Cup final against Chelsea. But uh, go ahead, Alex. Luton and Shooting's been doing pretty well. But yeah, uh, just qu qu questions for both of you guys uh, coming out of this matchup. Since we really haven't spoken a whole lot since last year, uh, really just kind of in an analysis of the squads. But you know, I look at the lineups here. And, you know, to, to, to your point, Luke, I, I definitely think Arsenal won that matchup, but I, I thought that this was a loss for Liverpool off the jump without Shobosly and, and Salah. Those are your two, my opinion, your two best, most contributing players. Um, and to miss both of them off of a team that was starved for that last year, to, to me, it just, it, it felt like a foregone conclusion. As long as Arsenal doesn't have, you know, uh, just an absolute snoozer. I, I didn't think there was really any way for Arsenal to lose that match. But um, for for you, Rob, is this is this the best version of this lineup? Let, and let's just exclude 
um, you know, Urian Timber, who's on the roster but not healthy. Um, and I, I'll I'll also include Leandros Trossard in this as he subs in quite frequently. But this midfield trio of Odegaard, uh, Jorginho, who I think had his best game of the year uh, against Liverpool this weekend, um, and and Declan Rice, is is this the best version of this lineup? You think? Are, are there any other uh, changes that you could make with who is available uh, to to make this lineup better than it was on Saturday? Yeah, um, I'd say it's it, it's right up there. Um, obviously, you know, th there'd be certain things, uh, you know, we could improve, but I, I generally prefer Havertz as a false nine. Um, you know, right now we don't have a true striker, right? And um, Gabriel Jesus is nursing an injury, but, um, you know, taking Havertz out of midfield, um, you know, I, I don't necessarily think that suits him. I think Havertz, now that his confidence is growing, I think Kai is really great in that false nine role because um, he draws in a lot of attention in the box, and that only helps our out-wide players like Saka, Martinelli, or Trossard, depending on who's starting. Uh, I mean, even Reese Nelson, if he gets a start uh, on the wings, um, it, it really helps facilitate uh, our play there. But um, I certainly agree, Jorginho had the best uh, match of the season for him against Liverpool. Uh, you know, he's a big time player. He's been on the big time stage and you need that experience, um, you know, especially in the midfield to hold your team together. Um, so until Thomas, I ideally to answer your question, um, a healthy Thomas Partey, um, I would take over Jorginho um, still with that combination of Rice and Odegaard in midfield. But again, uh, you know, Partey, he's, He's practicing with the squad. I'm not sure what the timeline is. He's supposed to be ready soon. Uh, but, you know, this has been dragging on since the summer. Um, you know, first and foremost, I want the guy to be 100% fit um, for his sake because uh, that's only going to, you know, help us more um, as a team. So um, I, I would I would take Partey over Jorginho. But in terms of the uh, structure, other than that, uh, I like it maybe – you know, to start a match, I'd have Zinchenko at left back where we can be in a more advantageous attacking position. But if we need to be more defensive, I would put, uh, as of right now, based on form, Tommy Asu uh, over Zinchenko at left back. But uh, pretty, pretty darn close. Uh, you know, I'd love a Ivan Tony or someone <laughs> in the striker position. But uh, I'd say this, the, the way that structure of that team against Liverpool was um, that is the ideal structure we want, you know, plus or minus a couple players in certain positions. Yeah. It seemed very cohesive and uh, it wasn't a leading question, but it was just something that kind of hit me as I looked at this lineup and then obviously watched it play. It just seemed, you know, I mean, you know, a four three three playing against a four three three is always going to look a little bit weird. Kind of like if you have two forks and you just like jam them against the prongs, it's, it's kind of a, <laughs> You know, it rock rock versus rock, but um, Arsenal had the you know I guess just the the talent the strategy obviously being uh, at home helps. It was you know as much as I'm not an Arsenal fan, it it still was it it, it was very invigorating to watch the way that Arteta celebrated with the crowd uh, as the third goal was scored, and it was kind of you know it set in that they were going to win this match, maybe find this season again. Um, but then I look over at Liverpool. And I'm just wondering, okay, yes, great for Arsenal. 
how how good of a squad did they really beat? Because this isn't the top of the table, Liverpool. Like I said, they're missing their unquestionably two best offensive contributors. That they do have this defense that they were praying that they had last year. Um, so I, I guess there's that. But um, Luke, ha- how do you assess what to do with the attack in the absence of of the two S's on a, on a offense? Um, and, you know, I, I guess maybe the outlier question there is how is Dora Nunez still not cracked the top, the, the starting lineup with Salah and Solbishlai out? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. Not, not one that I really am sure of the answer. Um, but I, I, I just, you just have to keep going into the well. I, I think you got to just, you got next man up mentality, kind of like in the NFL. Uh, Harvey Elliott uh, is is a guy who uh, who has come on a little bit this uh, this since the calendar flipped. Curtis Jones, uh, you're going to need continued consistent production from those guys if you're uh, if you're Liverpool because that you know they're the guys who had started to emerge and they're you know they're, you're they're who you want to to you know I was saying at the beginning of the you know or earlier in the year that we're, we need people to step up and you know those guys are a couple of them that have answered the bell. Um, it, 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 they're not, you know, it's, they're not replaceable. Those guys, Salah's not replaceable. There's only one Mo Salah. There's only one Dominic sausages, but you have to kind of take the pieces that you have and make, make, so make, so the sum of them can best replicate what, what those players have, uh, while they're out. Um, I, 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 I don't really know about Darwin Nunez, man. He's just, he's, he's an enigma. He's it's, he, it's like, he's a supremely talented player but it's almost like he only is talented when he wants to be. And, you know, and maybe that has something to do with, with why he he can't crack the starting lineup is maybe effort, you know, I don't know, effort in practice, like something like that. But it, it, it now with, with the injuries, you, you would think that he'd, he'd be in there, but uh, I just, yeah, it's tough for me to, to determine why, you know, why that's happening without being, you know, being over in Liverpool and, you know, being t- tuned down to the, uh, to, to what's going on at the, at the training ground and whatnot. Um, but an, another guy who's been a little bit quiet is, uh, is uh, Diogo Jota. I mean, he, he kind of, he, I guess he kind of helped set up that goal on a, uh, that goal on, um <clears throat> on, su- on Sunday, but uh, really went down as an own goal. Uh, he He's a guy he's, I, I'm kind of highlighting him as a guy I'd like to see more production out of with these guys out. Um, so, you know, he, he scored in the, the game against Chelsea uh, he scored in the game against Norwich City, and he, you know, he he's going to need to keep doing that. So basically, my 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 answer to that would be, the guys who have stepped up the last couple of months need to stay where they're at, if not ramp it up a little bit. That that's fair and kind of where I was coming from because obviously you're not going to replace both those guys, and that's not the goal. But you know, like in the movie Moneyball, we can't replace Giambi. We just need to replace his production. Right. Um, and I, I kind of looked at this, and you, you've watched more Liverpool than I have, but I have not been impressed with Gravenberch really any time that he's played, even though yeah. I know how talented he is. And so it, it kind of the, – the reason I ask, because I've seen Jolta play uh, false nine attacking mid plenty of times, and I, I almost think I would have put Jolta there in, in midfield and, and had uh, Nunez in, in my starting lineup because I, th- I think you have to make that work. Um, you don't know how long Salah's is going to be out. You don't know how long Schalberschlag is going to be out. But uh, I, I think it's high time to just make Nunez work. And this being jerked in and out of the lineup, I'm sure, does not help. It's warranted 
don't get me wrong, but I, I just don't, I don't think it helps get him used to that consistency. Um, and all the forwards that played, I mean, their, their, their wingers are attacking mids. Not, there is not a striker among them. Um, and you have a natural striker right there on the bench. So it just, it kind of confused me. Um, uh, of course, I guess you're, you know, you, you're still just kind of grasping for straws when you're replacing a guy like Sala and, you know, this new year, first year in the Premier League sensation, maybe is a strong word, but Trobuslai has certainly translated uh, m- maybe more than expected. Um, I have a lot of fun watching him because that dude is he came in as a midfielder, but I he he can play the wing. He can he can play striker if you need him to. Uh, he's a really, really interesting player. Um, I wish this game had been more interesting. I was a little bit let down by just the overall <laughs> quality of the matchup. But um, yeah, uh, it, it's it's interesting because it, I, I look at this and I, I'm kind of sitting here like it, it's nice to see these other teams. Not not that I hope anybody gets hurt. Obviously, I don't want Salah or anybody getting hurt. But getting get, you know picking up knocks here and there and ha- missing time, I'm fine with. Uh, because City has had to go through it the entire year and managed to stay up here. And I'm just curious if Arsenal and Liverpool are capable of missing big players and keeping their spot. It was the, the issue that I saw with Tottenham early. I think the depth at Arsenal and Liverpool are better. But, you know, if if Arsenal are, were to lose Odegaard or Declan Rice, Saka, and then Liverpool lose Salah or Sobersly, how how do they replace that? Can they win? you know, mid-tier and above games reliably without those guys. And I'm I'm interested to see what that answer becomes. I'm not – I don't take these games, the, these top-of-the-table games. I, I, I honestly – I never care what the outcome is because what makes the league is whether or not you beat the Fulhams and the Wolves or if you're losing a game there, drawing a game here. That's what loses you the league. It's not did we lose to Liverpool, did we lose to Arsenal. It's did we lose to Everton, did we lose to Wolves. That's what costs you the league. Um, yeah. Not, not anyone in particular. That that is just what costs you Premier League that, titles at the end of the at the end of the year. That's um, the reason so, that Liverpool wasn't in the top four this past season. Exactly Literally the reason. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it's it, it's honestly what's kept, in my opinion, Arsenal from pulling away because they they had that stretch that was not good, and it really wasn't because of injury. It was form, which is not what you really want. You don't want injury, but you don't want to be losing to Fulham or, 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 or drawing, you know, wolves back to back in, in games like that. Um, if it's not because of injury. Um, so I, I think these games are just fun. They're fun to shit talk when it's, it's versus your buddies, but I, I, I just don't think these particular matches are what determine the premier league. It's do you handle your business? with the teams you should be handling your business with. It's kind of like college football, or excuse me, college basketball. You know, Duke, North Carolina was this past weekend. North Carolina won, but Duke's not going to miss the NCAA tournament because they lost in Chapel Hill. Same kind of thing here. Yeah, Um, it doesn't count against you. And a guy, and a guy I I haven't even mentioned yet who hasn't scored in almost two months in Premier League play is Alexis McAllister. He's been almost invisible through, through these last couple of months of play. Um, and, and, you know, he's, he was an off season acquisition. He was somebody who was supposed to make this team markedly better. And he just hasn't really been doing that the last couple of months. So it, just to add on to the, the previous question you had, that's a guy who needs to get his head out of his ass too. 
Yeah, I mean, to to be fair though, like players go through um, you know lulls and peaks, and you know sometimes, especially when it's a team sport, right? Like you can afford a guy can go through a slump, but as long as someone else, you know, in that midfield, for example, you know, steps up, um, you know, they become that that guy that you know really studies the midfield or you know the attack or the defense, whatever it may be. Um, but like. Yeah, I mean, I, I think to your point, Alex, like it, it just it really is about, you know, taking advantage of, you know, those matches against Everton or Wolves or a Nottingham Forest, like games you're supposed to win for sure will cost you the league. Um, I would counter and say, though, that, you know, if you're in a title race, you know, your head to head matchups against another title contender, you know, that's not only a way for you to get away from three points. But, you know, for example, for us, you know, we denied Liverpool three points, right? So it, it's like a double compound effect in terms of, uh, you know, catching, you know, either going ahead or, you know, reducing the the deficit, uh, you know, between, uh, you know, first place and second, uh, for example. So, you know, it, it's certainly a tough season. And, um, you know, really at from this point onwards is the most important part of the season you can have, you know, the best, you can have the perfect buildup into the Christmas holidays, but um, it, it's all about what happens down the road. And, you know, is part of it due to injury? Yes. Um, part of it's due to team chemistry, you know, your form, how guys are gelling with one another, you know, where's, where are their heads at mentally, you know, are they, do they believe in their title run? Do they not? Um, so, you know, this, uh, I think, especially with Champions League and, you know, Europa League play coming uh, coming in as a factor here starting later this month, I think you're really going to see, like, what certain squads are made of um, in terms of fatigue, in terms of resilience. And, um, yeah, so um, – and I just wanted to comment on the uh, Jota over Nunez um, debacle. I mean, I, I don't necessarily disagree with the call by Klopp because uh, – uh, to be fair, when uh, Liverpool played uh, Arsenal last, uh, Jota was coming right back from his injury. And ever since he's come back from his injury, I've said this offline to you, Luke, but uh, I think he's he is the man on fire for you guys right now. He is a little guy. He's like maybe 5'6", five, 5'7", five, but he plays like an absolute pit bull. He plays like he's 6'6", six, six, and like he he's overpowering defenders that are, you know, a foot and a half taller than him, which, you know, that's, that's something special. You can see like, he's a man possessed playing and, you know, you need that tenacity um, to break through. So like, I don't necessarily disagree with um, starting Jota and then bring on um, Nunez as an impact player, because the last few games, I mean, again, Nunez has a lot of talent, like you said, natural striker, extremely fast, but um, you know, he, he just keeps hitting the post, man. <laughs> like he he missed the penalty, um, the the match before as well. Hits the post. Um, he's had multiple breakaways, hitting the crossbar, hitting the post, and I, I can understand for confidence, kind of like to your point, Alex. We're like, well, you should you know stick him in there and like give him consistency in that role. But at the end of the day, you know this is a business, and if the guy that you're putting in there just keeps you know fumbling his chances you know, kind of similar to what, where we were at with Kai Havertz, you know, you got to, 
you know, sometimes you have to motivate people and be like, Hey, I'm going to start this person over you. And like, maybe that's what lights the fire. Um, you know, certain guys respond differently uh, to, you know, negative reinforcement or positive reinforcement. So, um, you know, I, I still think Nunez is a great player. Um, I think he's going to find his stride at some point, but uh, you know, you, you got to put the ball in the back of the net if you're a striker and you know, that's, that's really his own worst enemy right now is himself. And just to clarify, I was suggesting putting Jota in over Gravenberch and playing both uh, because I think they're your, well, when you're missing scoring, you don't need Ryan Gravenberch. That's, that's not going to replace scoring. Oh, sure. Sure. Uh, so I was saying I've seen Jota play that attacking mid false nine, put him in at false nine, put Nunez in where he plays striker. He's the only, he's the only actual striker you have on the entire squad. Honestly, at least that's relatively at this level. Um, but your your points are definitely well heard. He's kind of Nunez. I would kind of put in a very similar category, like you said, with Havertz. Of they almost just have the yips. They're they're in the right positions. They're doing a lot of the right things, but they you know just don't know how to finish their dinner consistently. And I think the only way to to make it worse is to let them sit there on the bench and think about it. But I, I, I guess sometimes it's like, okay, just take this one off, um, clear your head, you know, play, play from the stands. Uh, you, you see it in basketball. A lot of guys like to come off the bench as a sixth man uh, just to get into the flow of the game a little bit better rather than just starting right away. But um, that this is only in a world where Sausages and, and Salah are both missing. I, and I, I just don't think they did enough to replace or attempt to replace uh, the, the goal scoring contributions that you're missing off of both of those guys. Uh, and and Gravenberg certainly wasn't uh, what I would have done in order to help replace the production. Sure. That that's fair. You know, I, I think, I think I'm just worn out of hearing about my, my team's woes for, for one show. So that is before uh, we, I, I want to lob a question in here before uh, Rob um, uh, breaks like, the yeah. ceasefire. I know I was I was very excited about about this this news we're gonna get. <laughs> I I just want to I, I want to ask both of you guys. Um, is, is this just it's just a three team race, right? They're like Villa Villa is good, but they're not when the Premier League good. Or, or or what are your guys' thoughts on that? Um, I've said it before on the show. Um, I don't think. They are a title contender. They're the only true dark horse contender, I would say, for the title. You know, they're not too far behind. Um, I think as the season goes along, they will not be a title contender, but they most definitely, they are the villains. They are going to be the title spoiler for one of the three teams or potentially two of the three teams um, at the top. So um, it's just one of those things where it's like, hey, you know, if we can't win it, we'll at least bring one of you down uh, with us. And uh, I think they're a very, very real threat. But, um, you know, the further the season goes, uh, you know, I, I think that Villa will, you know, there will be separation between third and fourth for sure. And uh, I really think uh, Villa and Tottenham are really going to battle it out for that last spot. Uh, Manchester United are creeping back up again, but, um, you know, they've got a ton of their own problems happening. Um, so I really think that fourth spot's going to be very, very tightly contested between Villa and uh, Tottenham Hotspur. Yeah, I, I agree. I think uh, I'm just looking at looking at the goal difference between a, a lot of these teams. You've got Liverpool with a uh, plus 30, 
Man City plus 29, Arsenal plus 25. Those are the only three teams in the EPL right now with a goal difference above 20. Um, and Arsenal and Liverpool have each only given up 25 goal or 22 goals. Man City's given up 25. Uh, so it's you know these are the teams with the you know probably the best defenses. I mean, and, and, and defense wins ball games even in soccer. I, I think uh, more often than not, Man City's red hot. They they're five out of their last five. Uh, Liverpool four out of their last five. But but looking down the table, just looking at the streaks, there's not. These are the only three teams that stay really consistent at the top. You know, Villa has mixed results in its last five games: two draws, two wins, or excuse me, two two wins, two losses, and one draw. Tottenham two draws, two wins, one loss. Uh, Man U three lo- three wins, one loss, one draw. So I haven't seen any of these teams that we mentioned in this second tier really put it together to make a a a push at at our three teams. Yeah, I I agree. I just wanted to get. Get get the opinion, and also I don't know if I've ever seen this. The entire bottom half of the table, their last result was not a win. <laughs> I don't I don't think I've ever seen that before. But draw or losses for literally the bottom ten teams. So I guess you're there for a reason. Cut, um, cut their lives into pieces. That was their last <laughs> result. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> Papa. <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, so I guess we're ready for Rob to uh, invalidate a ceasefire here. So. Okay, uh, I hope you guys are sitting down for this news because uh, it's going to be brutal once you hear it. Again, you know, big asterisks here. This is speculation, but, you know, the conspiracy theorist in me, it's, you know, I'm like Charlie from uh, <laughs> Always Sunny. Uh, you know, I got my uh, cock board up. I got the strings. I got the pins. They got a bunch of arrows pointing in different directions. It's scattered stories, but they all lead to one thing. Uh, as the news was broken uh, this previous week uh, that Kylian Mbappe is most likely going to be signing with Real Madrid, you know, that's that's been on the talks for a while, right, where um, the last two or three seasons, uh, you know, he was just basically trying to get out of his contract with PSG. And, you know, he, he decided to stay um, at PSG uh, to play out his contract. But, um, you know, we, we certainly know he's heading to Real Madrid. However, where the bombshell news is coming in, you know, obviously, um, you know, Killian did these rumors started swirling uh, this week, uh, the week prior, uh, you know, Klopp um, saying that he was stepping down from Liverpool. And I do believe him um, when he says that, hey, you know, I'm not going to, you know, manage another Premier League team. I'm stepping down for Liverpool, which I do genuinely believe that. Um you got to understand that uh, he has won the Bundesliga uh, with Dortmund. Uh, he has won the Premiership with Liverpool. He has not been a coach in La Liga. And Carlo Ancelotti's contract with Real Madrid, it did get technically extended through 2026. Uh, but before that, um, his contract was supposed to run out this summer uh, as he was uh, set to be the new Brazil coach. Uh, my bombshell breaking news conspiracy theory is that Klopp will end up going to coach and manage Real Madrid um Kylian Mbappe has been quoted before um <clears throat> it was last year when all this other speculation was going on um that the one manager he really wants to play for is Jurgen Klopp so that's why you know this previous summer uh there were a lot of rumors swirling about Kylian Mbappe to Liverpool Kylian Mbappe to Liverpool which you know, I don't think it was necessarily the team um, that Killing was trying to go for. And, 
you know, maybe there were some offhand conversations that Klopp was saying like, hey, you know, I, I am going to be dipping out of here, but I would love uh, to be your manager and for you to play with me. And unfortunately for every other European football club, uh, if Klopp is the manager with Mbappe as a striker, amongst the other great talents, um, Klopp has been mentioned as saying that he would love to coach um, Jude Bellingham as well. All the things are adding up, unfortunately, and we could have this generation's version of Los Galacticos with Klopp at the helm. What are your guys' thoughts? Never thought of it, but it makes a lot of sense. I mean, this is a this is a relationships business. Sports is a relationships business. Uh, it's it's all about who you want to be with, um, who you want coaching you. That you know, we see it, we're seeing it all the time in the, in the transfer portal now in a uh, in college football and. Yeah, it, it 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 would it would suck to see him coaching a, another team, especially one of that caliber. But I, I gotta say, it's 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 a in terms of it, this isn't a crazy conspiracy theory. This isn't a fake moon landing, fake JFK conspiracy. This is this is something that could definitely happen, in my opinion. Um, and it, 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 like I said, it would it would be a bummer for see my coach coaching somewhere else. Uh, but you know, I, I actually I threw out the uh, to some other friends. I threw out the clop to USMNT, uh, which I think is a lot less likely. By the way, <laughs> see, I I thought, and I I, st- I still think that it's it's a, it's great to noodle on and definitely uh, a possibility. I do know that Klopp said he is not managing next year. He will never manage another Premier League team, but he said he's not managing next year. So maybe that does line up with Real Madrid's timeline. Um, but it also lines up with the uh, Julian uh, Nagelsmann timeline uh, for Team Germany, which to me makes a little bit more sense for Klopp to step down uh, and become the new German manager. Um, but I also could certainly see Klopp being there at Real Madrid. As you alluded to, the first thing I thought of was the one Premier League team that stood out every time it, Mbappe was linked was Real, uh, was uh, Liverpool because he he loves Klopp and I, I I think he likes uh that club in general um I still think I st- I still think if he's stepping down from the Premier League that he would go manage the German team um but I can't imagine turning down the Real Madrid squad especially this one um if if he was offered so maybe maybe it does line up timeline wise um it, this is going to be one of those things where I like I I need to see him have a press conference before I believe what he's going to do next. Uh, like I need to see him with the Real Madrid badge on his hat um, there before I even believe it's there, just because of all the the random rumors that go around. But uh, I, I think we're probably all in agreement that he's not done managing. He's just done managing against Pep Guardiola. Yeah, this is well, Urban he, Meyer. Uh, Urban Meyer stepping down from Florida for health reasons, <laughs> and Ohio State. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that. That's the the other point you touched on, Pep, as well. Where you also got to realize the, you know, uh, Pep mentioned in a press conference when he was asked about Klopp stepping down. Pep said that Klopp has been his greatest rival, and you know, head to head, they generally have a very uh, there's a lot of parity in their respective records head to head, you know, through the Bundesliga, through the Premiership, um, and you know, I, I think, like, like we've all we're all in agreement here that like we don't think Klopp is done, and you know, he could take that uh, year off where it it makes sense for the timeline, 
But, uh, you know, Pep is one of the only managers to have won La Liga, won the Bundesliga, and won the Premiership as a manager, you know, among a list of other accolades, right, including Champions League uh, with uh, all three of those clubs, respectively. And, you know, I, I think that's that last, you know, where Jurgen Klopp is clearly a competitor. Uh, you know, he's a top tier manager. And I think uh, that's kind of like his last mountain to climb, uh, if you will. So uh, I think he really wants to get La Liga, um, you know, win that uh, with a solid team with uh, the players from Real Madrid wouldn't hurt. And, you know, hey, if he also wins a Champions League with them, um, obviously he didn't win a Champions League with Dortmund. So he doesn't necessarily have that over Pep when Pep was at Bayern. But um, that will at least get his legacy as close to on par with Pep's, um, where Pep is the clear number one. Um, but, you know, Klopp is certainly not uh, far behind in second. But uh, that those are just my thoughts. Again, it's all speculation. It could be completely wrong. Like you mentioned, Alex, the timing of the German national team, especially when they're in a downward slump, you know, they need that motivation for the 2026 uh, Euros or 2026 World Cup, excuse me coming up so um you know something to certainly monitor so if uh if Klopp in his year off is taking a lot of uh holidays down to the Spanish seaside uh <laughs> my radar will certainly be going off for sure this is a euro year though right <laughs> uh yeah so this yep yeah. yeah, exactly this summer is the euro so then two years after in 2026 will be the next world cup yeah and uh some news coming out about that world cup uh the final will be hosted by MetLife Stadium in East Rutherford, New Jersey, everybody's favorite place in the world. Uh, That's so, horrible. Um, Why? Why? Because the center it, of the universe yeah, will be New, New Jersey. New Jersey. Um, the the U.S. Uh, the U.S. games. Two of them will be played in Los Angeles, and one will be played in Seattle uh, for the group stage. So that 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 kind of sucks. That that'll be on the opposite side of the country for from us. Uh, but they did announce all the dates and times. I'm not going to go through all of them, but uh, just want to note that uh. Note that um for uh the the U.S. sites were determined for where whenever their games are going to be the final was determined and Philadelphia is getting a game a round of sixteen game on July fourth that's pretty fucking cool too uh, I hope I hope I hope the U.S. gets to gets through to that somehow but uh Reach yeah, the light some, bulbs. Some, yeah. <laughs> Crisco <laughs> but yeah, yeah just, ben, Benjamin Franklin has a a tear running down his cheek right now <laughs> just another one it's just another one of those things I mean it's February 2024 this is this is a little bit off but it's just one of those things that's like yes the world cup is coming here you know last time it was was 1994 we were all we were all in diapers Rob still lived in England so we it is this is going to be this is going to be really really awesome um and I'm just I'm I'm trying to trying to scheme up ways to to make money off tickets for you know if if I can if I can find some some fans that really want to see their team play down in the, you know Atlanta or something like hey hey I got I got you man I got you uh so it's like, I'm, that's a that's that's just a, I wanted to just throw that in there kind of at the end as a just a general general note for those of you who are excited about the World Cup coming and want to know when the games are where the games are that was all released you can get that off of FIFA's wonderful website or or really anywhere else where people talk about sports. July Fourth soccer in America seems very against the uh, the patriotism that settled <laughs> this country. Uh, if I'm being honest. <laughs> Uh, well, not July fourth, ninety four. We we lost to Brazil two nothing in the round of sixteen at the Rose Bowl. So yeah, that you you're onto something there. I mean, if it if it was basketball or 
or baseball, we probably would have kicked the shit out of whoever we're playing. We used to have standards as a country, um, but at, at least at least the World Cup committee is uh, staying true to uh, having finals in uh, areas that are run by the mafia. So uh, I, I that's the only reason you pick New Jersey, right? Is the mafia activity? Well, I thought I thought Jerry Jones was going to just write a blank check because the early speculation was AT and T Stadium was going to get the final, and I thought that was perfect because of the location. Um, you know, you're likely to have a South American country in it, and um, he actually he yeah. accidentally sent it to Ron Rivera. So that's what <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he got a bunch of coaches through. <laughs> we'll have an episode of the Right Hash coming up in a few days as well. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was that was kind of my my last point. Just I want to end on, or I want to end my personal personal uh, uh, points here on a uh, just on that note with you know World World Cup sites out, dates out. It's coming. It's coming sooner than you think. Are you saying the the, the opposition is going to uh, going to La Liga? I, I don't. I don't like that. I don't like <laughs> the that at all. The how's that the, how's that the first time we've used that that word on this show? Because we don't talk about the managers. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> we, yeah. we don't talk about Jurgen Klopp or <laughs> or anybody. The, the Bill Belichick of the fucking EPL with his sweatshirt. <laughs> Yeah, he's got nicer teeth than than Bill, which is, I mean, not 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 hard to do. They're maybe not as weird as Bill, but uh, they're better. Yeah. Oh man, this is, I I enjoyed this. I uh, I appreciate y'all accommodating me on my vacation now, just being a being a fucking hedonist here, uh, skipping work for a couple of days. But uh, just want to uh, go through the matches for this coming weekend. It's a it's a a full slate um match day 24 out of i like how they use match day even though it's over multiple days uh, like week week one in the nfl or whatever manchester city plays host to everton that is saturday at 7 30 uh, that'll be a standalone game uh wolves and brentford fulham bournemouth tottenham brighton luton town sheffield united and of course my reds taking on burnley those are all 10 o'clock games eastern time on saturday Saturday at 12.30, Newcastle gets the spotlight against Nottingham Forest. They travel to Nottingham Forest. Talk about a team we haven't really had a reason to talk about in a while uh, as they've dro- dropped off a little bit. And then flipping over to Sunday, Rob's Gunners will be on the road at West Ham. Uh, that'll that'll be a fun one. The Green Street Hooligans will be in full force. Uh, that's a 9 o'clock kick. 11.30, Aston Villa hosting Man United. And then the 3 o'clock game on Monday afternoon is Crystal Palace and Chelsea. So those are the games to look forward to um coming up and i'm just i'm just going to reiterate this is a this is a game that liverpool absolutely has to win not tie win and i think win decisively thank you for bringing up newcastle because it's another one of these uh uh, tally marks on my side of money doesn't just buy success and i look down at manchester united and chelsea and newcastle who all spend more and i mean they're they're not even in Europa League contention, really. So I just always like to point that out, that money does not buy success in the Premier League. There are people here that have close to the amount of money you have, but are be- are, are better at managing it. Like, that is a thing. You still have to yeah. manage a week in, week out, every little part of this. You still have to manage Kyle Walker getting someone else pregnant, ruining his marriage, and almost going to Bayern. You still have to manage that. No matter how much money you have available, you still have to manage the shit. So put a little bit of respect on these teams that can spend money and get something out of it, where you have these other teams that um, 
waste it over and over and over and waste more, honestly. So put some respect on the names at the top of the table. And money can't buy you stones either, according to uh, to the chat. Uh, oh, well, yeah, because, <laughs> I mean, we, well, we don't have, like, the injury healing cards from FIFA, so <laughs> Wait, we can't buy any of those. He's just out until – we can't just rub, uh, you know, a, a couple of uh, what pounds, whatever they use over oh, there. Pounds uh, sterling. We can't, it can't just rub. So I wouldn't rub sterling on him either. He had, he wasn't great here. So, um, <laughs> absolutely. Definitely, uh, definitely must win matches for all three of our clubs, uh, coming up. I know, um, you know, for us, uh, playing West Ham away, that's going to be uh, a big, big match this weekend on Super Bowl Sunday. So, um, hopefully the the timing of that, yeah, it looks like it's a 9 a.m. match. Uh, so I'll be able to watch that and then get my Super Bowl food ready and go to an awesome Super Bowl party. And uh, hopefully, uh, you know, we kick it out of the park. Rob, who are you picking? Super Bowl, um, yeah. I would love to see the Chiefs lose. I'll just put it that way. There you have it. Okay. That's our first Super Bowl pick. You gotta you gotta stay tuned to the football show for me and Alex's though. That must be how they pick soccer matches. Just who I would like to see lose. Not who's <laughs> yeah, well, gonna yeah, win. No, this notice, is notice, I notice, notice <laughs> I said I did not want the 49ers to win. Uh I just want the Chiefs to lose. So I'm I'm petty over here. I don't need you to win. I just want Kylo Ren to lose. <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there you have it. Rob Jordan is picking against the Chiefs. He is not picking the 49ers. He is picking against the Kansas City Chiefs. Rob, of course, a, a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. Um, we'll, we'll see them in, in the in the playoffs at, at some point again eventually. But I want to thank everybody for tuning in to, uh, to today's show. We were happy to finally able be able to get an opportunity to, to get together, well, virtually get together and talk some EPL, get ready for the stretch run of the season. All three of our teams coincidentally are uh, fighting for the top spot, top of the table. So, for Alex Thompson and Rob Jordan, I'm Luke Ned Carney, signing off from the Nasser Alexander Kuchecki Studios. Enjoy the Super Bowl, enjoy the matches this weekend, and enjoy, of course, the grub. And we will talk to you next time.